Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Things like that. So I want to start um, right here in Malachi. I thought, well, since it's uh, Father's Day, it'd be a good day to preach on tithing. So, uh, I'm cutting up on that, but I will tell you this, that uh, I think it was Matt that sent me this, this big, huge, nice uh, Mercedes SUV. It was a big, nice Mercedes SUV, and their tag was a North Carolina tag, and their tag said, we tithe. (laughs) Just for the haters, we tithe. I like that. But... um, Amen. So uh, I just want to share with you some things out of my heart this morning. What I want to talk about, this is probably probably the, uh, I'm probably more passionate about this subject than any other subject. And so I could talk literally for days on this, but I just want to uh, set this up. As you heard Stanton quote those statistics about how many, how many homes does it have a father? How many knows that we're really in a season uh, where we're going to start out and read this out of Malachi. But how many knows that God really needs some fathers to rise up? And um, how many knows this? Let me just say this too. One of the things that I come from, especially in a non-denominational church, and we, we, we come from really what we call an apostolic background, and we believe that uh, really that God, uh, we, we, we used to believe this, or I used to believe this, that apostles were the only fathers. How many knows that's not true? That God's desire for a house is that there would be a father and a motherly anointing to come upon that whole body. And that it would just not, I'm not the only father in this house. There's plenty of fathers in this house. I'm talking about the spiritual fathers in this house. And so that should be the goal of all of us is to mature in our faith. No longer be babes tossed to and fro, but to walk in the maturity of the Lord. How many knows that? And how many knows that the maturity of the Lord is not determined on your age? I've seen some 60-year-olds that are still infants in Christ. Come on now, are you with me? But how many knows that it doesn't that your age doesn't 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 categorize you if you're mature enough to be a father? I told Catherine when we started our first church, I was 26 years old pastoring, and I said, if God would allow me to see 30 years old, people might take me serious, you know, because I was so young, and so the Lord, you know, one more year, uh, next year I'm gonna be allowed to be 40. So Praise God, we're getting there. But uh, but let's start right here in Malachi chapter 4. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for to be able to corporately come together. We just thank you for just a fresh touch. I thank you that you love me so much and help me preach good this morning in Jesus' name. All right, Malachi chapter 4, let's read this. It said, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming great before the coming and the great and dreadful day of the Lord and he will turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse look at this the plight of fatherhood is a curse upon the earth come on somebody look at this the plight of, of no fathers in the house of God is actually a curse is what the scripture says upon the earth so what's got to take place first that the hearts of the fathers has got to turn towards the children and then vice versa the children will turn to the hearts of the fathers now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15 we want to read this one verse of scripture uh, here this one verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians, uh, I'm going to actually read uh, two verses. 
He says in verse 14, I do not write these, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 14, I do not write these things to shame you, but, to, but, as, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 10, instructors in Christ or teachers, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Look at Paul again. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, give me just a minute to pull this up. I was going to read you something here that I wrote some... some uh, uh, some months ago, right here, that we can tell through this verse in 1 Corinthians 4.15 that though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. I believe that we're in a desperate need for the fathers to begin to take their place. We can see in this verse of Scripture that Paul makes a distinction between teachers and fathers. Now listen to this. Teachers have students, but fathers have sons and daughters. Teachers speak from education. Fathers speak from experience. Teachers will instruct you on how to do it. Fathers come alongside and help you do it. Teachers major on doctrine, but fathers major on relationship. Teachers give you information, but fathers give you impartation. Teachers spend time with books, but a father will spend time with you. Teachers give podcasts, but fathers give calls and texts. Teachers care that your doctrine is right, but fathers care that you are right. I believe one of the reasons we have such an identity crisis today is the lack of fathers. Fathers release identity. How many members when Jesus was in the river being baptized by John? He hadn't went to the wilderness and fasted 40 days. Come on. He hadn't done any miracle yet, but the father released his identity as a son before that, right? Before any performance that Jesus was able to perform, the father released from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He had to know that before he ever made it to the wilderness. Come on somebody. And so God was releasing his identity as a son before any of that ever. So fathers play a big role in, in the identity. Fathers shape strong, secure sons and daughters. I believe we're about to see a fresh wave of the apostolic emerge where the focus is going to be family and the maturing of the children. Brothers complete, brothers compete, but fathers complete. So fathers, take your place. All right, so let me, let, let's go. I'm going to uh, really do more teaching because of what's here this morning, and I'll only get through some of this. So let me say this. How many knows that you don't, just because you have a son or a daughter in the natural, doesn't mean you're a father? Huh? That just means you have the ability to reproduce. It sure don't mean you're a father. So I believe that this is one of the messages that God has given me to carry. If we're ever going to see fathers, first of all, we've got to see sons. Sons grow into great fathers. If we learn how to become a son, we will one day learn how to become a great father. Y'all all right? Now, can y'all stay alive? I'm going to go for 19 minutes now right here. Can y'all just, I mean, paint your neighbor right here. If you see your neighbor resting in the presence too much, paint the fire out of them, okay? And we'll thank the Holy Ghost has hit somebody, okay? Uh, Larry's bought a new drone. He's going to start flying the congregation if we catch you sleeping. You're going to have to double your tithe for the next month, okay? 
Right, so listen here. So, the, but, so if we're ever going to see fathers rise up and take their place, how many knows it starts at sonship? Sonship is not just being somebody's son. It is, it is a posture of the heart, if you will. You with me this? All right, so let's go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Let's get in the Word for just a little bit. Galatians chapter 4. Now let's look at this. Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave, though he's master of all. Look at this verse of Scripture. This is Paul. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his, the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. How many knows that a good father leaves an inheritance to his children? The only way to get an inheritance is you got to be a son. Only sons receive an inheritance. Slaves don't receive an inheritance, and orphans don't get an inheritance. Only sons get an inheritance. And how many knows that God never intends the son to start out from nothing? Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to preach right here. God never intended, I never believe God ever intended that the son start from scratch. The son was intended to start at the inheritance that the father left and the father's platform, his ceiling, should become the son's launching pad. But it's a, it, is a, it is a process, if you will, for the son to make it all the way to that father's platform. How many knows it? It's a grueling process called sonship. That's why everybody don't want it. Listen, everybody wants to receive resurrection power, but nobody wants to go to the cross. The only way we will ever walk in resurrection power, we first must travel the Via Della Rosa, where Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. It is when we die, listen to the cross. Come on, somebody. That's where we receive the power of God. Y'all right? I'm, I'm, I'm treaching. I said I was going to teach, but I'm treaching, Danny. So listen to this. The Bible says that an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. The slave has to work for the check. But the heir, he doesn't work for a check because he's one day going to own the business. So there is a maturing process. God never starts you out at the top. He always starts you out at the bottom. All right. This is a heart process. I want to talk about this in ministry. How many knows that have been privileged to get on the stage? How many knows there's a process of getting on the stage? Let me say this. Anybody that is walking with the power of God on their life can point to a direction and say, Listen, I serve that individual. 
Listen, this is something, don't take me where I'm not going. I'm not talking about somebody lording over you and bondage and all of that stuff. But I am talking about a heart posture. Are you will? I'm talking about a posture of the heart willing to submit and glean. Come on now. It was when Ruth was willing to glean on the outside of the field, that's what got Boaz's attention to start with. If she hadn't been willing to glean on the outskirts, no one would have ever noticed her. This is a heart posture. All leadership and all fatherhood start at the very back row. It doesn't start around the stage. And what I have found in my life to be true, more is caught than taught. But to, but to catch something, you've got to realize it's a heart posture of seeing that individual that God brings in your life, recognizing the anointing that's upon their life, and realizing, hey, that they're, they're, they got something to impart into me because a father can give an impartation. Brothers can't give you nothing. Come on, somebody. But fathers can impart something into you. That's why Paul writes to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is within you that you received when we laid hands on you. Why? Because we are a mature presbytery of fathers and when we laid hands upon you something was departed in, imparted in your life. Now I had a lot of dying when I was younger. Catherine and I served, uh, we had a woman pastor for five, what, five and a half years. So how many knows this that God will take you on the journey that, that is right for you. Do you believe this? Someone said, well, I can't believe I got this boss that's so hard. The reason why your boss is so hard, because you're still hard. I can't get no help. This is a quiet message right here. How many knows it's better to fall on the rock and be broken than have the rock fall on you and grind you to powder? He's leading you down the Via Dolorosa. There's two people trying to kill you, God and the devil. Come on, somebody. And both is for two different reasons. God is trying to tear you down to build you up. The enemy is trying to inflate you so he can tear you down. The enemy likes to take somebody straight to the top. He wants you to skip all the process you can skip and get on the elevator and get to the top floor because he knows this. Without process, you will be unqualified to rule over what you have built. This is good. So if, so why does he like to accelerate you? Because he wants you to build a big kingdom so when you, crush and, when you crash and burn, you take a lot of people with you. But if it takes you a while to get there, you will have the character and the place to stand to get there. It goes like this. Mark Twain has quoted this. He said that when he was 16 years old, his dad was the dumbest guy he had ever met. He said, by the time I made it to 26 years old, I couldn't believe how much the old man had learned in 10 years. How many knows that he had the same knowledge, come on somebody, the whole time? What shifted? Perspective shifted in his mind. What happened is the heart shifted to humility. That's why dad says I've done been there and bought the t-shirt. I remember when I got, when I was 18, I wanted to buy a brand new truck. Dad said there's nothing, he said there's nothing wrong with your truck. Dad had already bought the truck for me. I didn't have a truck payment. Daddy said don't buy no new truck. There's nothing wrong with your truck. I said daddy you don't understand I'm making $10 an hour. $10 an hour. Bought that brand new truck, Silverado man I'm telling you it didn't nothing look like it after about making about nine months of payment that thing did not look as good and I wish I had to listen to daddy this is a father why does he have the ability to speak like that because he's done been through the wars friend he's done been out there he's done been through the process and he knows what's best for us 
A true father will not live for himself, but he will live for his sons and daughters. My God, I can't. I'm, listen to this. Listen to this. Ain't no way, man. I'm telling you, this, this thing right here is about, on the iPad's about 10 minutes long. So that tells you something. Proverbs 20, 21 says, An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Listen. Maturity will cost you everything. Did you hear what I said? Salvation is free. But maturity will cost you everything. It will cause you to adjust your life. It will cause you to adjust your finances. It will cost you everything. Maturity. How many knows that it costs you some, some um, discipline of the natural man to walk in maturity? Now listen to this. The scripture says in Proverbs 20, 21, an inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Listen to this. The strength to hold it comes from the struggle to obtain it. You don't see a Fortune 500 company out there that the man ain't been bankrupt two or three times. Had everybody to kick him out. Had more blades through his back. Why does all that happen? Because if you want to be like Joseph, everybody wants to be like Joseph. They want to sit at the top, ruling and reigning. Come on, somebody. But nobody wants to be thrown into the pit and left for dead. Nobody don't want to be sold on the auction block butt naked for 17 cents. Come on, somebody. Nobody wants to go to Potiphar's house and have his wife lie on you saying you're trying to rape her and get thrown into prison. And then when you interpret a dream in the prison and they forget you two more years. Nobody wants that. But why did Joseph go through all of that? Why? The struggle to obtain it was the very thing he needed to stay at the place when he got there. How many know, my God, I'm preaching right here. How many knows the first couple of years he wanted to probably kill his brothers? But after he done went through the whole process, when he sees his brothers, it's amazing what a little bit of process can do to your heart. I remember the time when I started preaching. I thought for surely God's going to have me on TVN by the time I'm 21. By the time I made it to 35, I was just thankful that he hadn't forgot me. It's amazing what the war does. My God, I want to preach it like I want to. This is the reason why we're not seeing momentum run in the kingdom. We got young bucks and greenhorns out here at the front think they got a network, but they don't have no power on their life. Why? Because he ain't been through nothing. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death and you learn that God's with you in the valley, when everybody else walks away from you like Paul, Paul said, I was left, and stone was left for dead. Listen, when you make it through a few things like that, like Paul did in Acts 27, when he rode into the island of Malta hanging on a piece of board, that's where the power comes from. She's what I tell I cut up with standing on. He's got an anointing. But way through he has to ride the ship when the storm's so bad it's not the electronics out. But let me tell you something. When you make it through two or three of them, you watch there's a whole different step that'll come. How many of those in the old church we used to say this? They seasoned. You don't get seasoned in 30 minutes. It's something seasoned. That's because it done laid in the refrigerator two or three days. Come on now. How many knows there's a whole lot of difference? You see a young buck stand up with a fresh anointing on it, but then you see a 60-year-old man that done went through the storms of life stand up and the power that comes out. What's happened? 
Maturity's taking place. The process has been in there. This is good right here. If we're going to have fathers, we've got to learn how to have sons that can endure process. Folks, this works in all part of life right here, what I'm preaching. You take this right here. Go on the job site. Everybody wants to start out as a foreman. You got any foremans? I, I, I feel like I'm, I need, you know, I, I come to apply for the foreman position. I didn't start out as a foreman. I started out as a grunt at $5.15 an hour. And then I remember, you know what the first tool they entrusted me with? Was a set of post hole diggers. Post hole diggers are the best thing you can work. I'm telling you right now, you have a set of traps and, and the, what's this muscle on the back of the arm? I don't forget. Tricep, there it is. Mine left a long time ago. But listen, you want to see a set of triceps? Run post hole diggers every day. They had to put extra stuff on your shirt to cover your triceps. You with me? But this is the same way God starts you out in the race is what I'm trying to tell you. If you can't be faithful to pray, don't think you're going to be faithful to pray when, you, when you're a preacher. Oh my God, I'm about to get off of that. People's already cutting the podcast off. Man, he's too hard. He hard. Listen to this. The strength to hold it comes from the struggle to obtain it. Why is the race to the White House so brutal? Huh? You ain't never seen a, you ain't never seen a political race like this. They play the commercial. Steve Bass is the most awesome man I've ever seen in my life. He's been a granddad, a father. You know, that ain't what you see. Steve Bass had left his wife three times. Been caught drunk DUI 18 times. Why? Why is that? Why is that? Why is the race so bad? Because it, what, the, to endure the race is what it's going to take to stay in the White House. And it changes by political party. The same news is eating somebody today when the political party goes in they like, they're going to be praising. And the other side's going to go bad. All right, listen to this. If you make it, if you arrive at the destination without process, you will find yourself unqualified to reign over what you have built. Listen. <clears throat> I'm trying to pick this right here because we won't get in this. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Go to Romans chapter 8. This goes, let me tell you something heart posture. I'm going to tell you a story that happened. I remember one time Catherine and I having a conversation. We had this conversation one night after church. We didn't like the way the church went that day. And it started out like this. If I was the pastor. Let me tell you what I have learned. <laughs> As a bench coach, you make suggestions. As the head coach, you make decisions. And what I have found, what a blessing it is to be on the bench. Because the head coach has got to make decisions that are very tough. 
But he don't make decisions based on Danny. He makes decisions based on the team. You with me? Everybody sitting outside the fence is better than what you are. Think about it. I'm going to have to get off of that because that's just a rabbit. Let's get off of that. Let's go right here. So our conversation starts out, if I was the pastor. Let me tell you this. When I said that, you know what God said? Holy Ghost, he need at least another two full years. He ain't got this figured out. I'll tell you what, line up about three cat five storms to send his way. Huh? So I don't believe that. It's two days later, we was in church. We was in there praying. And I'm walking up the front. You know, I'm praying with the leaders. I mean, I'm Shondai, Kondai, see me tie my tie, bow tie, Honda, Suzuki, uh, the whole nine yards. My pastor walks up to Catherine and I. Said, don't think I didn't hear your conversation. What conversation? Did you not say if I was pastor? And quoted the whole conversation. I said, yay, yay, Lord. <laughs> so God taught me right there. Let me, say, let, me, let me just say this. Listen to this right here. This is good wisdom. If somebody will come to you and talk to you about somebody else, putting them down, it's a matter of time before they put you down. You better heed that right there. If they will come to you and run Stanton down to you, it's a matter of time before they come into somebody else to run you down. So join up in that. All right. Romans chapter 8. So I learned real quick like that murmuring in the tent can cost you some things. Huh? We're almost done right here. Look at your neighbor and say he's almost done. All right. Look at this. I'm going to finish with this right here. <clears throat> These verses of scriptures. Therefore, brethren, I'm in Romans chapter 8, verse 12. We are not debtors, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live accordingly to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you shall die. But by the Spirit, you shall put to death the deeds of the body you will live. For as many as are what led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, let me just say this right here. Listen, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, look at this again, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. You say, well, my dad didn't leave me nothing. Let me tell you something. I got news for you. Your heavenly Father left you a ton. Come on. You with me? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, indeed, and if indeed we suffer with what? If we what? This ain't in the American church. If what? I thought it was a misprint. If we what? Suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. Now, Look at this in verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
Now, I've always heard this preached as if we can hang on down here and endure this suffering, it will not be compared to the glory we're going to walk in in heaven. That is not what this verse is talking about. It is talking about the process of maturity. If we can endure some suffering, this word suffering means to endure, put up with some stuff. How many, how many knows if you're going to go be a, be a Navy SEAL, you don't just go out and run three laps and they think you're a SEAL? Have you ever watched it? Huh? It's called Hell Week. How many knows if it's called Hell Week, that is not something you want to put your name on? Then they encouraging them. Cave in. Give. Stand, if you'll give up right here, if you'll cave in, we'll all go in here. We'll get a glass of iced tea. Why is he putting him through that? Because if he can endure that week, they know they got a man that will not cave in when he gets captured. The present suffering. What is the present suffering? The present suffering starts out in ministry like this. Nobody don't know who you are. There's a reason for that. Because you got to know who God knows you, who you are before man knows who you are. If I talked you in it, somebody else can talk you out of it. If you think you're called to preach and I can talk you and I can talk you out of it, you're not called to preach. Jeremiah said it like this. He said, God, I'm about sick and tired of prophesying. Did he not say that? He said, I wanted to throw in the towel and quit, but he said, your word was like a flame of fire shut up in my bones. So the present suffering, it goes back to your job. Why do you start out down here? Because you have to prove yourself to the employer that you can be faithful. Some people want to raise and they can't even show up to work on time. Oh, y'all want to hear this. We don't want to hear this. Oh, we want to be financially secure and we want to raise, but we don't know how to show up on time. And when you show up to work, you're sitting there looking at your cell phone and Facebook and wondering why you ain't going to get a raise because you can't prove yourself faithful. Got to quit right here. I'm driving, running them off. But I can tell you what, if we can hear this, we can grow up. This is a broccoli message. Come on, this ain't ice cream, but this is maturity. If we want to be fathers in the church, we've got to learn that there's a process. And in the process, we've got to learn how to put up with some things. How many knows that Jesus said he endured, even though he was a son, he came obedient unto suffering. He learned how to put up with some things. you got to learn how to put up with some stuff. Listen, if I would have gave up every time I felt like I'd have been done wrong in the church, we wouldn't be standing here today. I felt like I've been done wrong a bunch, but you know what? I always knew that God was for me, and if he be for me, then who in the world could be against me? You keep moving forward. Learn how to endure some things. Because how many knows this? As a father, you got to learn how to endure some things. Catherine tells this, I'm done right here. I'm on overtime. But i got to finish this up, because I'm so far in it now. I remember one time I got the opportunity. I'd worked all week and I had this one afternoon to go fishing. I was going to Reed Bingham, which that's, that's within itself right there, to fishing right there. Going to Reed Bingham. Pulled out there, got about an hour and a half before dark. Glace, the, the lake was like glass. I said, praise God. Boy, this is going to be a good evening. So I'm going to crank up the motor, just drop the trolling motor in. We're going by the dam and I'm going to work some top water. Got Asher in the boat. First of all, if you got Asher in the boat, that's not a Pete. This is, let's go back two and a half years. Let's go back when he's at the four-year range. 
He'd be aggravating one stand up on the front of the boat and I'd keep the trolling boat one threw him off the side of the boat right here. Right when we hollered gator, he was he was screaming crying. Had to call Catherine to come out and get him where we could fish the rest of the evening. <laughs> he had a life jacket on. People trying to call defects on me right now. Listen. <clears throat> so I'm fishing, and when you bass fish, you got an open face reel. So I reach back and thank God, thank you for this peaceful afternoon. We're going to catch some fish. I go back to make the first cast. And my reel's just, I mean, the braid's just in 4,000 knots. Asher's standing beside me. He got his reel hanging off to the side. So I turn back and hang it. So I told Grant, I said, boy, throw the pole back in the rod box. He said, where are we going? I said, we're going back home. How many of what I'm saying is this? As a father, it takes a lot of patience. And I can tell you this from me as a man that has blown it a hundred times, but every time you move out of rage and anger, you put a misrepresentation of who the father is in your child. God gave me a revelation of this at a boat ramp one day. I watched this man trying to load his boat. And if, you've got, if you're a fisherman and you go to a lot of boat ramps, you have seen some stuff at a boat ramp. I'll tell you this other story. We pulling up, and I knew it was fixing to storm. I knew the storm was on us so, so much that I didn't have time to get my boat out of the water. So I told the boys, I said, we're going right up, and we're going we're gonna to go up to the shoreline, just dock the boat right there. <clears throat> there was one other boat that was in the water, and I seen them coming up. And it was a young gentleman with his wife, a little small child. And so we pulled up there, and we're in the truck. And it's pelting rain. So he pulls up there. First of all, he gets out and backs his truck in there and his wife and kids in the truck. And I see his boat and his boat's drifting out into the lake. He forgot to tie it. <clears throat> he takes his shirt off and his shoes and dives into the water, climbs up, gets in his boat. So his wife decides she's going to finish back in the truck in the water. Back in his boat trailer in the water. She backs the trailer. You can't even see the trailer. She's steady backing. I watch the water. The water's fixing to go over the, tail, the tailgate. He's screaming in the boat telling her to stop. He finally runs the boat up on the shore. Runs out and beats the side of the truck. Tells her, pulls it back out. You know. And then finally loads it up. And I'm thinking, Lord, what a day of fishing this man had. But this was about... This was about, but let me say this, the process, if we will get this in our heart as sons, you understand what I'm saying? This is why God is trying to work this at a young age into our heart. You with me? I ain't got to, we'll go back into more. This is why this starts as a son. But if, if we get the process as a son, when we become a father, we're going to work, we, it'll be a whole lot more smoother sailing. You agree with this? So I watch this, this guy's got his boat up there. He's trying to load his boat. <clears throat> And there's, what made it bad is there's three people waiting to launch their boat. So I'm about the second one in line. And so I'm blessed to have Grant. Grant's already in the boat, so we just back up there and he snatched the boat off or whatever, or he backs the truck in. So we, we do ours pretty quick. So he's got his wife and he's got a little boy. The little boy's probably about three and a half to four years old. And this little boy is so excited. He's got his life jacket on. He's done been out on the water. He, you could just tell there was excitement on him. And I'm, I'm just watching this happen. Well, he's got his wife trying to back the boat trailer down in there. And I'm praying already. <laughs> hey, some women can do it. You know what I'm saying? But listen, 
She, she has no problem back in the boat trailer. She's got it just right. I'm thinking, he's just going to load his boat up there, and we got it. So he pulls the boat on the trailer. Well, he's trying to load it like you would load, load an airboat. If you're going to load your boat, you got once you get it up there to the bow, I climb up in the bow of my boat and clamp it. So you don't have to worry about it backing off the trailer. Well, he's trying to load it like you load an airboat on the trailer. Well, he's trying to, what he wants to do is throttle his boat up there and keep it there and have her to pull out. And he's screaming at her and she don't know. She's just, you know, pull out, then she gives it, then it hangs halfway on the trailer, they got to back back in. This process goes on two or three minutes. Well, the guy ahead of me, man, he's up there, he's getting ticked off. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to launch his boat. And I'm watching this. But what I watched was frustration go on this guy's face. Now let me tell you what I saw next. Was that little boy was standing up there with that big smile on his face. His dad grabbed him and snatched him back and almost snatched him clean out of that life jacket because he was frustrated. And I watched pure horror come on his face. But you know what? You know the reason why it bothered me so much? To be honest with you, because I've seen that replay in my own life. And every time that happens, that's a little bit of the peace of the Father's face that we steal away from our children. This is why children grow into adults that have all kind of issues. Anybody that knows this, if, you, if you're above probably 35 or in your 40s, when you went to the ball field, all you saw was dads leaning on the fence. Go to a little league game today, friend. Dad ain't nowhere around. It's mom out there. It's sad to go out here and watch 8-year-olds and 10-year-olds that have never even caught a baseball because they have no one to throw and catch with. And so I get out of the truck. And I go up there, seen the little boy get snapped. I said, sir, can I help you load the boat? Well, he said, no, I don't need no help. Well, obviously, I'm thinking, you need something, man. You got us all held up right there. Now, you need a little help. He had a aluminum boat. And, and by the 17, he says, boat's so heavy, you can't even move it. I said, now, that boat's 20 foot. My boat's 20 foot. I said, I can move the bowel of it. My gosh, you got it in the water. I said, if you don't hook it right here, you're never going to get it out. So he was, he, and I finally just reached under the hook that pulled the thing tight and then told her, go on, get out of the way, we're trying to fish. <laughs> Listen, what am I saying? The journey's not easy. You with me? If, if I didn't want you to mature, I would never preach messages like this. The reason why God puts a boss man in your path that's hard, right in your case, is because what you have to see, let me tell you, if you would, instead of viewing it like this, this is because this is, this even back down to teaching, where we've got now. When I was in school, let's go back to the 80s. I know that's hard to believe. That, you know what I'm saying? In the dinosaurs. Asher told me this one time. He said, Daddy, you know that dinosaurs was in the 80s. And I believe it. Listen, to, I, I, listen. when we were in school, this is what happened. This, was, this is what happened. You got in trouble at school. What did you fear when you got home? You got the brakes beat off of you when you got home. Let me tell you in, now how it goes when you get in trouble at school. Don't worry about that, little Johnny. We're going to call the teacher because I'm tired of the teacher doing you wrong. This is how we've shifted in society. Come on. Don't, don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. This won't be a listen podcast. About three minutes of this right here. They're going to cut this off. Huh? Come on. Because this forces you to do something. Do you understand the power of God that we're witnesses in this church forces us to do something, friend? You'll either change your life or you'll run away from it. You with me? So here's the thing. <clears throat> it's not easy. It's not easy. 
But instead of seeing that boss as the, as the devil, let me tell you, because I've had to pray this. Why don't you see yourself as a clay on the potter's wheel and God having to pull out a little sharp instrument, instrument to grind some stuff off of you? Because the Bible says that you and I are the house of God. That's what it says in the book of Peter. You and I are living stones. Every mason knows this, that stones do not fit perfect. So what happens is you have to grind one and you have to cut on one. Have you ever watched him lay brick? He's got, a, he's got a trial in his hand. He will take and scar it down two sides. Pow! Pop it and snap that brick off. Why? Because it ain't going to go in that wall without it. Same way with you and I. You and I, each piece of the puzzle is in the, is in the hand of God in this room. You with me? God's trying to form us into the wall. And how the enemy gets inside of a local body in a church is through places where the wall is not formed good. Come on somebody. Where cracks is in the wall. So so you and I don't fit together good sometimes. Come on. That's why you and I get in a process of grinding where we can fit in the wall to form what God is trying to do. There's no, there's no fatherhood without sonship. Listen to me. There's no fatherhood without sonship. If sonship is a process that we walk out, it's a way that we model our heart. And, and it, it is humility, friend. I'm just trying to tell you. That's where God learns, learns us how to humble ourselves. How can you be faithful in your own vision until you first served another man's vision? How can you own your own house when you can't even be faithful to take care of the rented house? It's in every aspect of life. How can you be faithful to be a foreman when you can't be faithful to work with the co-workers you got now? All right. I beat us down enough. How many feel fully whipped? Raise your hand. Steve's the only one. That's because God's trying to get it in his life. Let it be known for the podcast. He is working a work in this man's life. Raise your hands right here. Father, we just want to grow up. We want to grow up into the things you have for us, God. Father, we want to be sons. We want to be sons. I promise you, if this will be the cry of your heart, God, I want to be a faithful son. You will never have to worry about being a good father. God, I just want to be a faithful son. I want to be faithful to what you've called me to. I want to be faithful under your headship and those that you put in my life to shape me and guide me. Lord, where I've saw this person as, 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 as evil trying to work against me, I realized today through the preaching of the gospel that maybe God, you've sent this person to help shape me on Father. And so, Lord, I just thank you for it. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I bless these dads in this room, God. I'm so thankful for the fathers that you've placed in my life. I'm so thankful for the men and the women that have guided and shaped me up to this far. I thank you, Lord, for the ones that you've got that are continuing to shape me. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you all, friend. We'll see you here on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.